First, I want to mention the idea of the Avoidah of Rosh Hashanah. What exactly is our Avoidah? So, I want to start like this. Um, I don't know how many of you are at my Shabbos table on Friday night, but my wife said a story that somebody just called her. She, re- she received a phone call uh, this week from a lady who said the following. I don't remember all the details, but it went something like this. Um, I was in Osharad with you about four months ago, and I kind of pushed the line in front of you and whatever, and I'm calling to wish you, you know, to ask you Mechila. And my wife was like, whoa, that was like, how do you even know who I am? Find my number and remember what happened four months ago. That's an amazing thing, you know. That's number one. Number two, I received a shayla this morning from an old Talmud of mine who got into a, a bit of a fight with one of his friends. And it was a whole long story, which I'm not going into now. But what he wanted to know was, does he have an obligation to call up and ask Mechila from his friend? His friend hurt him a lot. His friend ruined his year. At least he said so. Whatever, I'm not going into the details. But he felt very hurt by his friend. And he wanted to know, is this the time? Does he need to go along and ask Mechila or not? Why am I telling you these two stories? Because first of all, they happened. And they also give us the idea of what it means to ask Mechila. But I think it goes a step further than that. And I want to speak about this idea today. Because it is a very, very important idea for Rosh Hashanah. And that is as follows. And this is what, really much what I mentioned to this Talmud when he asked me this Shaila. And I said, you know, we mentioned previously that the Gemara tells us, Chazal tell us, that the way we act is often the way the Rabbi Nishlam reciprocates and acts towards us. We talked about it on the Kafschos, talked about other things as well. So I want to introduce this idea as as follows. Rosh Hashanah is very much a day of lifnim mishuras hadin. That means we have to go what we call beyond the letter of the law. Not always do what is expected, what, is, what, what we're asked to do, but to go beyond that. Okay? Let me give you an example. You know, if you own a company and you have workers in your company, now these workers obviously have hours that they work in and they have specific times that they're meant to show up in the morning and specific times that they are meant to leave in the afternoon or the evening, whatever it may be. Let me ask you a question, okay? You are the CEO of the company, and you're looking you know, towards the end of the year at all of your workers, at their you know, productivity, and to see whether or not we can improve things in the company, which is what every company should do, and what every person should do. We have Cheshbon and Nefesh, is one of the most choshva things, the Chadush Shavim brings down, the Geir Rebbe, that... Uh, that um, that a cheshbon nefesh should be done even if a person is not going to prove anything. Just the very fact that you make a cheshbon nefesh, that you stop and you think for a moment about what exactly is your life heading to, what are you accomplishing, and things like that. And therefore, when a person makes a cheshbon nefesh when it comes to a business, he thinks to himself, okay, how much money do we make? Can we make more money? Are we losing money? Are we spending things that we don't need to spend on? So he looks at his workers. Just imagine, you are the CEO of the company and you have two workers that you're homing in on, that you're highlighting, that you're looking into. One of them shows up at exactly one minute to nine and leaves exactly a minute after five. He never comes late and he never leaves early. It's a good worker. He's there on time. He's there. He does the job. He does what he needs to do. He's Kavaldic. I like him. He doesn't show up late. doesn't leave early. Good worker. Then there's another worker who comes sometimes 8.45 and sometimes leaves at 5.20. Now, he wasn't asked to do that and he's not even getting paid for that. But he does it because I guess things are going on in the office that he needs to finish or he needs to start early, whatever it may be. If you need to decide between two of those workers, 
Which one are you going to choose? Obviously the one that does a bit more. Why? Now, even though he wasn't asked to do that. He's not even paid for that. He's showing his dedication to the company. He's showing that he cares. Rabbi say, when the Rabbi Shalom is looking into the world and wants to see on Rosh Hashanah, this is what happens. However scary this is, this is what happens. When the Rabbi Shalom looks into the world and says, okay, who should we keep and who should we not keep, basically? Yeah? Which person is the Rabbi Shalom going to look at and say, ah, him I need, him I want to keep? Obviously, the one that puts in the extra mile, that goes lifnim Meshua Sadin, that goes beyond the letter of the law, doesn't just do what he is told, but does even more than that. And therefore, the Rabbani Shalom is going to look to see, do we go lifnim Meshua Sadin? Then the Rabbani Shalom is going to go lifnim Meshua Sadin. And therefore, Rosh Hashanah is the time, and leading up, the days leading up to Rosh Hashanah, we're almost there, Rabbi Isai. 48 hours, we're almost there. Less than 48 hours till the Yom Adin, to when we're going to be standing in front of the Rabbani Shalom Kivrei Moroim, like the flock going one past the other. Shemi Rachim. We're going to be scrutinized. Everything we've ever said in our lives. Everything we ever looked at in our lives. Everything we ever heard. Everything we thought. Everywhere we went. Everything we did. In the secrecy of a bathroom, of a bedroom that nobody saw. But the Rabbi Nishonim Melech Malche Amlochim Yodea Machshavos. He saw. He knows. He understood. It's a scary thought. What do you want to be appearing as at that time? As someone that's the Flimashur Sadin, as someone that goes beyond the letter of law. So, yes, sometimes, you know, I don't have to ask him, Mechila, what did I do wrong? He did it wrong. He's the guy. Go beyond that. Go beyond yourself. You know, one of the avoiders of Rosh Hashanah, and this is a big avoider, and in Kelm, they used to have a sign, and I, I'm thinking about printing the sign and putting it in Yeshiva also. In Kelm, they had a sign on Rosh, Rosh Hashanah, they put it up. Ein melech beloy am. What is the avoid of Rosh Hashanah? If we would ask ourselves the avoid of Rosh Hashanah, there's only one thing. There's no, there's no tshuva. Right? Nowhere do we do tshuva on Rosh Hashanah. We'll speak about it before Yom Kippur. We'll do that Yom Kippur. Right? There's no Hashanah begadnu. There's even a shaylef of vinu makenu. Are we allowed to say chatonu levanecha? Because Lamaisa, we didn't have it. We're saying chatonu. We didn't have it. We don't do that on Rosh Hashanah. So we do it because whatever, but it's a shaylef. There's no truth on Rosh Hashanah. What is the one avoid? And this, you go into Rosh Hashanah with this thought, you'll have a successful Rosh Hashanah. The avoider of Rosh Hashanah is to be mamlich the Rabbani Shalala. Is to crown Kaviyochul, the Melech, Malcham, Lochim, and say, Rabbani Shalalam, you are the Melech. We are the Am. Ein Melech Baloy Am. You can't be a king without a nation. You need a nation to be a king. And when we make ourselves into the nation, when we say to Rabbi Shalom, every single one of us should think about this during Shemayin Esra or at any other time during Rosh Hashanah, close your eyes. Take a quiet moment, maybe before you go to bed, maybe when you wake up in the morning, maybe when you're saying Berchus HaShachah, Berchus Avarabah, the Heilige Avarabah on Rosh Hashanah, maybe when you're davening Shemayin Esra, take a, take a moment and say, Rabbi Shalom, you are the Melech. You are the Melech, Malach, You are the creator of the world. You are everything. Everything is you. There is no one but you. I'm just, I, I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you want. If you mamlech the Rabbi Nishalala, say, Rabbi Nishalala, I'm mavatl myself to you. That is what it is. That is the avoid on Rosh Hashanah. We are mavatl ourselves. Who are we? We're nothing. What do we have? What, what, what right do we have to live? Nothing. The Granat famously writes, 
people come into Rosh Hashanah, they say, I have a right to live, what do you mean? I don't tell you, I do mitzvahs, I do chesed, I have a right. We come to Rosh Hashanah as Ani, we have nothing, we have zero, we have zero right to existence. But, we want to be the Rabbi Nishalayim's Am, Ein Melech Belay Am. Rabbi Nishalayim, you need us. Rabbi Nishalayim, we are yours. We belong to you. Think these thoughts during Rosh Hashanah, even if it's only for a minute or two on the first day, a minute or two on the second day. Think, or even if it's just once, just think, Rabbi Shalom, you are the Melech Malcham Lacham. You own everything. You created everything. You do everything. Everything is you. The whole existence is you. And who are we? We're just your arm. We're here to serve you. Rabbi Shalom sees and says, Ah, imagine if you're the CEO of a company and you have a worker that comes in and he says, You're the boss. I will do whatever you want. Can you imagine how good your CEO feels? I want that worker. Not because he gives him praise. Not because he needs it to boost his self-esteem. Because that's a worker that I want. That's a worker that's going to help me. That's a worker that's going to invest in the company. Looks to see. Who does he want to keep in the world? He wants to keep his avodim, his servants, the people, his am. If you become a Rabbanishlam's am, the Rabbanishlam will keep you. That's the secret. That's the key to the din. That's the key to Rosh Hashanah. You know, people often think, you know, does Rabbanishlam really care about me? <laughs> there are so many people in the world. There are so many yidden out there. You know, imagine if, how many gra- does anybody know how many grains of sand there exists in the world? I can't imagine anybody has a number to that. I don't know if we were able to say such a number, right? What if I would tell you that there are two grains of sand somewhere in South India that are having a fight with each other? What do you care? <laughs> what are you telling me that useless information? I don't care. Now, how many fish are there in the sea in the world? I also don't know. I have no idea. I imagine there are a lot. There are a lot, okay? What if I told you that two of these fish are in a little bit of an argument? One's broke us with the other guy. Does, does it going to affect your life? Does it bother you? No. The Rabbanishim has billions of people in the world. But he cares about every single one of us. It bothers him. It bothers him. When we're not the way we're meant to be. That we're not as close to him as he wants us to be. It bothers him. Because we are his um. He created us for a purpose. Every single one of us was created for a purpose. And we have to realize that. We have to realize we were created with a tachlis, with a she'ifah, with a goal. What are we here in this world to do? Stam, just to live. Buy falafel, take pictures. I was in Israel for a year. Great time, Rabbi. Thank you for the year in Israel. Took loads of pictures. I have a great video of you. Huh? That's not what we're here for. We're here to produce. And every single one of us have a look in our lives. Are we producing? Are we here for a purpose? Are we doing that which the Rabbanishon put us on the world to do? Is there a purpose for every single one of us? I don't know what everyone's purpose is, but everyone has to dig deep to think about their purpose. The Avoidah on Rosh Hashanah is that. This is the Avoidah. Think about the Rabbanishon. Think about how we're coronating the king. You know, when a person is voting for a local, you know, whether it's a local... Um, local guy in the government, in the offices, or maybe even for the president. Are you going to go over to him and say, ooh, you're planning to be president, or you're planning to be the mayor, or you're planning to be the governor, whatever it is. Do me a favor. Our schools need more security, and also he'll be like, well, just chill out. Just vote for me. If you vote for me, I'll give you everything. The Bunshim says the same thing. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons why we don't ask for requests on Rosh Hashanah. Why don't we ask for requests on Rosh Hashanah? Two reasons. Reason number one, is you don't want to put yourself in a spotlight. I want this. Ah, you want that. Okay, let's have a look if you actually deserve it. It's a dangerous thing. That's reason number one. 
Reason number two is, if you vote for the king, you'll get everything. Mimele, you'll get everything. You don't need to ask for specifics. He knows what you need. You just need to vote for him. Rosh Hashanah, we are voting for the Rabbani Shlomo. We are the Am. We are the nation of Hashem. And we want to be Hashem's arm. We want to be Hashem's nation. We want to do whatever Hashem wants. We love Hashem so much that we want to do all the mitzvahs. We don't want to do Averis. It's not, that's not us. We want to live a life of productivity, of Yeres Hashem, of Kirvas Hashem, of being Megala the Shechina. That's what we want. Let me just end with one last Kaval de Gazach. And that is as follows Make a Cheshbon, which the Gemara in Sukkot of Heim and Aleph does, about the cover of the Oren. The cover of the Oren was a tefach thick. Tefach is about 10 centimeters, right? The Oren itself was one and a half amos wide. Two amos long. Okay? Now, that means the cover of the Oren had about 110,000 cubic centimeters of pure gold. Okay? Now, the weight of one cubic centimeter of gold is 20 grams. Let's make the cheshbon. That means the cover of the Oren, just the cover, had over 4 thousand kilograms that's over four tons of gold now hold on a minute add the weight of the kruvim which were made from one piece of gold and wings span the entire cover's width that was double the weight of the cover okay now hold on a minute add this to the weight of the bottom of the oran which Rashi and Yuma tells us was made of thick gold of a tefach then there was the gold that covers the walls of the inner and outer boxes of the Oren, which according to the place in Yeridea was about 8 millimeters thick. This doesn't even take into account the weight of the Luchois, both the broken ones and the second set of Luchois. Altogether, the Oren probably weighed about 8 tons. How many people carried the Oren? Four. Four Levium, 8 tons. Is that humanly possible? Not a chance. Doesn't work. Doesn't make sense. What's the answer? The answer is, as Chazal tells us in the Gemara in Saita, you just have to try. Because if you try, the Rebbe does the rest. And that's the Yisoyed of here. Rosh Hashanah is a difficult time for many people to connect with the davening, to connect with the Rebbe Shlonim. But the lesson over here, Rebbe Yisoyed, is just to try. And if we try, the Rebbe Shlonim, Hashem, will give us a lot of siyata d'shmaya. That will be mamlech the Rebbe Shlonim. We will be the Am. And Be'ezah Hashem will come out of Rosh Hashanah with a din and will be written in the Sifrit Sadiqim. And Be'ezah Hashem, Evan Shavachsimah, Chasimah Toiva, and a Gitgeben Shah.